I knew that reading conferences were conversations with students, and I love having conversations with students, but this just felt like something different, something a little bit more formal, something that I didn't know how to prepare for. But after jumping in, I learned that reading conferences are the best part of my day. They went from being something I avoided to something that I look forward to something where I get to make real connections with students and have one-on-one authentic conversations with students about books, about literature, about life, and I love them. Hi there, I'm Carolyn Wall, your host of the Middle School Cafe podcast, a podcast specifically for secondary ELA teachers looking to close the achievement gap. I'm a 20-year veteran teacher who still loves being in the classroom. Tune in each week as I reflect on my own teaching experience to bring you lesson plans, strategies, and stories that will help you develop your students as readers and writers. So grab your notepad, a cup of coffee, and join me each week as we dive into all things ELA. Here we go. Hi, and welcome back to the podcast. I hope that you have had a great week. For me, this is the last week of our trimester, which means that grades are due on Friday. So that means that students are scrambling to get their grades in. They're finally looking at the grade book to see why they have zeros on assignments, getting all the things done before the grade book closes. If you're a teacher, you know. (laughs) So needless to say that it's been a little bit hectic over here, but Friday's going to get here. We're going to make it. It's all going to be good. I am so glad that you are here for today's podcast because we are going to be talking about reading conferences, one of my favorite subjects and one of my favorite parts of Reader's Workshop. I have said this before that I believe that reading conferences is really where the magic happens with the workshop method, but it was also the portion of workshop that I found the most intimidating when I first started. I knew that reading conferences were conversations with students, and I love having conversations with students, but this just felt like something different, something a little bit more formal, something that I didn't know how to prepare for. But after jumping in, I learned that reading conferences are the best part of my day. They went from being something I avoided to something that I look forward to something where I get to make real connections with students and have one-on-one authentic conversations with students about books, about literature, about life, and I love them. So what are reading conferences? Reading conferences really are a conversation, a two-way conversation between you, the teacher, and the student about what they are reading. So the student's reading their choice book, I come up, I'll sit next to them, and I'll ask them a question. My first question typically is just tell me about your book. What is new since the last time we talked? And that just opens the door for the student to start talking to you about what they're reading. And I just really listen. I listen to what they're saying. I listen for the connections that they're making. I listen for how they're applying the skills that we're learning. And then I might pose another question, pose a clarifying question, 
I just use the questions as a way to spark their thinking and giving them the opportunity to talk to me about what they're reading, what they're learning. Sounds simple, right? But I remember this being so hard at first. Like I said earlier, it was something that I literally avoided. I would try to find other tasks that I needed to do so that I only met with one or two students. I was so intimidated, but I would think about things like, how can I conference with the student about books that I haven't yet read or books that I hadn't read in a couple of years? Would I know if what they were telling me was right? Would I be able to ask them relevant questions? I was putting so much emphasis on myself that I took the student out of the equation altogether. I am typically the teacher that has everything planned out, reread the text before discussing it with the class. So this felt very unsettling to feel like I wasn't prepared because I couldn't possibly read all of the books that my students are reading. I couldn't possibly have all of these questions. I mean, that's unattainable, unrealistic, and it's really not necessary. So how did I overcome this fear? A lot of it was just mindset saying, I'm going to do this. But what I learned is that I didn't need to know all of the books. I didn't have to have all of the answers. What I needed to learn was how to become the facilitator of the conversation, how to start a conversation and just open the door and let the student go. The students will lead the conversations. If you pose the right question that sparks that right thinking with them, they're going to just continually talk to you about what's going on. They're going to be making those connections. They're going to be showing you what they're learning. That is what I love. When I first started workshop, I worked in a building where every teacher that taught ELA used the workshop method. So I had a plethora of people that I could pull from, and I had resources that were at my fingertips, both in books to read and with experienced teachers who have done this for multiple years. And so I visited their classrooms. I talked to them. I was, even though I was a veteran teacher, I became that student. I believe it's so important that we are always willing to learn. And I really became that student and just took everything in. And then I literally just jumped in. I just said one day, okay, I'm going to do this. I've done some learning. I've done some observing. And now I've just got to do this. It wasn't perfect. It was awkward. It was clunky. I felt very self-conscious when I was conducting a reading conference about a book I had no idea about. And I don't know, maybe the students knew, maybe they didn't. I have no idea, but I just kept trying. I kept saying what's working, what's not working. And eventually I came up with a system and a routine that worked for me. So last week we talked about what a schedule for workshop might look like and whether you have a 90-minute class or a 45-minute class. So you can go back to episode number six and listen to that if you're interested in trying to figure out how to organize your class. But since I've mostly taught in a 50 to 60-minute class period, I'm going to explain my routine based on a reading focus three days a week. So Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. All right. So on Mondays, Mondays is the day that I teach the new skill. So whatever our new skill is for that week, this is the day where I spend the most amount of time doing that. And then I set the purpose for the students for the rest of the week. 
And so that takes care of the bulk of our Monday. And then we move right into independent reading. And of course, when students are reading independently, this is when I'm conferencing with them. So because on a Monday, they really haven't had time yet to think about and apply the new skill that we are learning for that week, I will typically ask questions that help students to demonstrate their learning on previous skills or skills that I have in my notes that I know that they still need to work on. Because I don't want to talk about a skill, give them five minutes to read, and then start asking them to show me how they're applying it. I need them to be able to have time to process it. But I also don't have time within our class schedule to not use independent reading time as conferencing time. So I will ask them about other skills. I will ask them about other things than that new skill for this week. And then I will circle back to catch them the next time that I conference with them. I use Mondays really to catch up with any students that maybe I have missed last week. They just didn't get to them or maybe they were absent. So it's kind of that makeup day for reading conferences. The students don't know that it's a makeup day, but it's a day where I kind of say, okay, who have I not talked to in a while? Who have I not seen last week? And those are the ones I try to hit or who's been absent. Then on Wednesdays and Fridays, because again, this is based off of a 50-minute class period where we do reading three times a week. On a Wednesday and Friday, I will quickly review the skill for the week and then move into independent reading time. And when I say quickly, this might be five, eight minutes. I really don't like to even get to 10, but it would absolutely not be more than 10. It is a quick review of how maybe how I'm applying the skill to something. Maybe I'll do a think aloud. Maybe I will put something up on the projector to show them just kind of off the top of my head. I'm thinking like a compare and contrast skill. I might put two different pictures up and then have them do some compare and contrast. Just review the skill so that students have it fresh in their mind before they start their reading and applying. I don't want to just come in and say, okay, remember Monday's lesson. Now I need you to apply it. I want to quickly review that with them. And we're spending more time on Wednesday and Friday reading than they would on Monday because Monday is when we have the new lesson. When students are reading independently, this is when I'm conferring with students and I move the conversation towards the new skill. So that's how I'm going to decide what questions I'm going to ask. The questions really are based upon the skill that they need to demonstrate as opposed to the comprehension questions about their book. And I really think that's where I got hung up is I felt like I needed to have all the answers to all of the books and answer the comprehension questions. But really, I'm asking students about applying skills. If a student can easily demonstrate their understanding of the new skill, then I let them kind of take the conversation wherever they need to go. If I see that they are struggling with the new skill, then this is where that magic is happening, where I am reteaching right there to them one-on-one. I have their undivided attention and I get to do that teaching with the student. And then, so that's a Monday, Wednesday, Friday schedule. On Tuesdays and Thursdays, our focus would be on a writing skill. So I think I said last week how I like to do a little bit of reading and a little bit of writing each week. If you are in the camp where you're doing a reading unit for X amount of weeks and then a writing unit for X amount of weeks, then of course you're going to want to adjust your schedule a little bit. But this is how I do it, teaching, reading three days a week, writing two days a week. 
So on a schedule like this, that means that I have a shorter amount of time per week to confer with students. So I'm only able to get to a couple of students a day on those writing days. And so on those writing days, I will probably try to look at my list and schedule those that have already demonstrated pretty high understanding of reading. Those are probably going to be my students that are at or above grade level because I can get through their conferences quicker, but I still get that one-on-one time with them. And then if I find on those Tuesday, Thursday days that anyone is still struggling, I will make a note and I will circle back to them on a Monday, Wednesday, or Friday when I know that I can spend more time with them. So I want to give everybody what they need and get through as many students as I can each week. My ultimate goal would be to get through all the students every week, but it's really more like a week and a half, sometimes two weeks if we have something wonky with our schedule. So you might be wondering, how is that possible? How much time am I spending with each student? And it's really taking longer to explain a reading conference than it is to hold the reading conferences. Reading conferences really are very short. I don't really time them, but if I had to guess, I would say that they range from anywhere from two to three minutes on average, depending on what the conversation is. And remember that it's a one-on-one conversation. So a lot can be said in that two to three minutes, and that's two to three minutes of face-to-face time with the student. The student gets two to three minutes of the teacher's time. And while that still doesn't seem like a lot of time, if I were teaching a whole class novel or even a short story as a whole class, students wouldn't get that one-on-one time. So for right now in the schedule that I have, two to three minute conferences are good enough for me. So sometimes I get asked like what specific questions I ask my students during conferences. And I really don't want you to get hung up on what are the specific questions that you ask? Because again, there's no list. There's no checkoff sheet of questions you have to ask. You're really just trying to get the conversation started. So when I start, I usually just ask my students to tell me something about their book. I might even just ask them, tell me about your book. I might ask them, Tell me what your main character is doing right now. I may ask them what they're liking about their book, what they're not liking about the book, really just anything to get that conversation going. If I have something in my notes that reminds me of our conversation last time, I might ask them about that. Oh yeah, last time we talked about XYZ, what happened about that? Is there any more information? Did we learn anything new? And just let them get started with the conversation. Then from there, I'm going to ask questions that are dependent upon the skills that we've taught, either the new skill for that week, or maybe it's a skill from last week. I want to move the conversation towards the correct skill. I want to lead the conversation, but I don't want to lead the student to a specific answer. I want to hear what they have to say and how they are applying the skill. I do have a free resource for you in our show notes that you can use that if you are struggling with knowing like what kinds of questions to ask or what kind of skills, that's going to help you. But I really want you to use that as just a starting point. Please don't use that as a check sheet or if we're learning about character development that you're going to ask these four questions or if we're learning about plot, then it's these four questions. It really is just a starting point 
point, it's a great resource if you were like me and have no idea where to get started or if they're a little bit intimidating for you. This is a great place to start. All right. Remembering that reading conferences are just a quick conversation with the student so that I can see where they are, how they are applying the new learning, and I can get data for myself so that you know when we as a class are ready to move on. So this leads to the question, how am I keeping track of everything? Well, when I first started, and this is going to be a little embarrassing, but when I first started, I took way more time writing notes than I did conferring with students. I wanted to remember everything about the conversation. And I basically transcribed the conversation that I had with a student so that I knew exactly what happened when I met with them the next time. Again, I was so consumed on myself and what I needed to do that I was taking the student out of the equation. I find myself taking notes, then really not even using the notes because I would sit down with the student again that next week or a week and a half later, and we would just pick up a conversation again. But I would spend so much time in that first year writing so many notes, and I tried so many different forms and so many different things, and while they were a little bit useful when it came to IEP meetings. I really found like I was doing way too much. I was spending hours that I didn't need to do. Writing that much information is not sustainable. And like I said, I really, I didn't really need to do that. The purpose of notes really is for me to know where the class is in terms of our skills, for me to know if I need to reteach a skill, for me to know if we as a class are ready to move on to the next skill. So eventually my notes became something that really anybody else that looks at them probably isn't going to know what they mean or why have them. They're not really going to be helpful to anyone else. Really isn't that what notes are about. They're just more for me. Like I said, I have tried many different ways to keep track. I have used just a notebook. I have used forms. And I've settled on having one page per student. And the reason that I have one page per student is because it helps me to quickly see how many times I have met with this student. It helps me to quickly see how many times have I had to reteach a lesson to this student. Like really, where is this student is? And can I honestly say that this student is making progress? So I have one page. It is a form that I write their name on. What I write in terms of notes is I write down the name of their book or maybe partial name of their book. I write down the page number where they are at the conference because I do want to make sure that they're making progress because if they're not making progress, I want to address that with them as well. And then I just have a plus, check, or minus that's going to tell me the teacher, not the students, can tell me, the teacher, where they are on whatever skill we're learning. So I will write down what the skill is that I'm asking them about. So compare and contrast, plot, dialogue, character development, and then I'll just give them a plus check or minus. Plus would mean that they've demonstrated the skill. Check means they sort of demonstrated the skill, but I had to help them And a minus would be, nope, I need to do some reteaching. Student still doesn't quite get it. And then I might write down one thing 
that I want to remember for next time. All of this is in shorthand scribble mess that probably only I can read. And that's fine because again, the notes are just for me. Like I said, I have used many different forms. Some of them I created myself. Some of them I got from other people. If you go to our show notes, there is a link to a resource in my Teachers Pay Teacher store where you can see the different forms that I've used. There's full sheets, there's half sheets, and then there's also feedback forms that I leave for this student as well. Reading conferences can be really intimidating at first. At least they were for me. I'm sure that I'm not alone, or at least please tell me I'm not alone. They were very intimidating at first. But as you jump in and you start having conversations with students about their choice reading and start asking questions that are based on skills and not based on comprehension, they really do become easier and they really are something that you start to look forward to. You get that one-on-one time with students. And in all of my years of teaching before Reader's Workshop, that one-on-one time with students was very limited. It's still really limited, but I get that time way more now than I ever did before. Once I learned that the conversation, really, I'm just the facilitator in the conversation and that the student is doing most of the talking and I'm there to listen and see how they're applying it. It really became so much easier. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me today. If reading conferences is something that you are intimidated by or you're not really quite sure what to do or how to ask, please come join our free Facebook group. This week's posted question is all about how to use reading conferences and how to talk to students and where people are getting ideas for different questions to use. And so come join the conversation over there. There's a link in the show notes to that free Facebook group, and we would love to help you. I hope that you have found one or two pieces of advice in this podcast that you can take back to your own classroom that will help you as you continue on your journey with Reader's Workshop, continue on your journey with reading conferences. I hope that you have found value in this episode and in this podcast. And if you have, I would really appreciate it if you would rate and review this podcast and then share it with one of your teacher friends. Next week, I will be sharing different ways to have your students share out about their reading, and I hope that you'll tune in for that. So until next time, have a great week.